The Old Testament reading for this morning is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 11. The Lord made it known to me, and I knew. Then you showed me their deeds. But I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not know it was against me they devised schemes, saying, Let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name be remembered no more. But, O Lord of hosts, who judges righteously, who tests the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them, for to you have I committed my cause. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle lesson is from the book of James, chapter 3 and 4. It has words of both hope and admonishment. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you, do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand now for the Alleluia.
The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The disciples went on from there and passed through Galilee. And Jesus did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, taking him in his arms. And he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, you know, it was bound to happen. As the disciples walked to Capernaum, they argued about who was the greatest. And it was bound to happen because of what had just occurred. Just before them, before our reading today, you have the three of them, Peter, James, and John. They'd been with Jesus during the glory of his transfiguration. And when they came down the mountain, they saw a large crowd surrounding the rest of the disciples because a man had brought his demon-possessed son to them, but the disciples couldn't cast it out. And then on the road to Capernaum, there were the disciples who felt favored because they'd been privileged to see Jesus glorified. And then there were the disciples who felt humiliated because they couldn't cast out even a demon. It doesn't take much imagination for you and I to hear their conversation. Perhaps outspoken Peter turned to James and John and in a voice loud enough for all to hear, too bad we weren't around. After what we just saw, I bet we could have sent that evil spirit packing. And can you imagine Philip then maybe shooting back at him? Oh yeah, if I remember correctly, it wasn't that long ago that Jesus rebuked you, Peter, and called him Satan. So I don't think that you're so great, Mr. Peter. Can you imagine the other 12 getting in on the action here? them arguing about who is the greatest, who had spent the most time with Jesus, who had seen the most, those who had done so many things with Jesus and seen him active in healing and proclaiming the message. Yes, they all wanted to do things for their Lord and Master, but they also had a wrong idea of what greatness was. And I think that's a common malady for all of us as well. We don't understand really what greatness is according to what God's word reveals. 
And so to teach the disciples and you and me the nature of true greatness, Jesus said, if anyone who wants to be first, he must first be very last and the servant of all. And then he took a little child in his arms and had him stand among them. And they said, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not just welcome me, but the one who sent me. So gently and lovingly, Jesus took that child into his arms. That is a picture of greatness. Jesus said as he embraced that child, this is what doing great things for God looks like. Welcoming a little child. Now, you and I, we may not get into big arguments at our dinner table about who's the greatest, but sometimes we act just as childishly as the disciples on the road. Maybe we can remember back at times when we were younger and that we would throw certain things at one another at the dinner table. Maybe it was your sister that bothered you and you aimed a spitball just right at her. You know, or maybe it was that little brother who just, you couldn't stand in that moment. And so you shot him with one of the peas off your plate. You see, sometimes we have acted childishly. We have acted not as God's loving people, but people who are filled with sin. And we get foolish when we do such things. But Jesus tells us that there's a right way to act like little children. Now, Jesus sees the disciples as they are. They're like little children in many ways. They don't really get what Jesus is there to do. They see the miracles, they see the wonder, but they still think, well, what do I need to do? Why can't I do everything that Jesus does? And then when Jesus proclaims that he is going to lay down his life, and not just lay down his life, but be killed brutally, and then three days later be raised, they just don't get it. It doesn't fit their understanding. And so what do we as people do when we don't like something we've just heard? We put it aside. We forget about it, right? We just say, oh, that didn't really happen. Let's just put that over there because I don't want to deal with that. And many times you and I, we do just that. We compartmentalize and push it away. Say that, well, it doesn't really matter. I'm just going to focus in on what I want to focus in on. But how much do we miss when we do that? How much learning do we miss out on because we refuse to deal with something that's complicated, something that's difficult? Some of you who have been around the block once or twice or 20 times, you know, you know that you learn a lot in times of struggle. It's not fun learning, but it's a time of learning and experience that if you hadn't had that, you may not be the person that you are now. 
because that taught you so very much. And I think we can all relate to lessons of life that we have learned that while we would never want to go back through them again, we came out on the other side a little bit more knowledgeable, a little bit more ready to show patience with other people and to be there to help others going through that same situation. You know, when we are not getting it, when we are pushing our problems away, you know, we sometimes even get afraid to ask one another what it all means. You know, when we get that dreaded letter in the mail that says, you know, the IRS is going to audit you, you know, what do we do with that? Do we push it away and think it's going to go away by itself? No, most of us would probably say be in a little panic and, and probably be checking with all sorts of people to find out what to do. So how come we don't respond that same way to the teachings of Jesus? How come we don't deal with them face to face, but would rather just push them away? Is it because there's not an immediate consequence, perhaps? Because certainly, you know, if you refuse to listen to the letter that the IRS sends you, there might be some repercussions soon thereafter. But aren't there repercussions, too, if we don't listen to the words of Jesus? Aren't there repercussions for our hearts, our lives, our families, our salvation? Aren't there difficulties that could transpire if we don't pay attention to what Jesus is telling us? So the disciples argue about who's the greatest while refusing to understand why Jesus is among them in the first place. They missed the point. They missed the whole darn point of these things. And when confronted by Jesus, what do they do? Zip their mouths closed. Everybody got really quiet because they were caught, weren't they? They were being called out for what they had been doing And Jesus tries to get them back to understand what the kingdom is all about. That if anybody wants to be first, he must first be last and servant of all. That's certainly not what was on the disciples' mind. And Jesus even demonstrated that in himself. He who was begotten of the Father before all worlds came into this world as a suffering servant to win salvation for us by his righteous death and resurrection. So often you and I, we don't want to think about the horridness of that or the wonder of that. Instead, we fall into the trap of acting like spoiled children. Many believe that the more status they have in this world, the happier and better life will be. Those of you that have been around the block 20 times, ha, 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 right? Not so much. As with the disciples, many times we push to prove that we are the greatest, but that's the wrong place to start. 
an illustration to kind of help us this morning. It's about a mother who goes through her six-year-old daughter's school backpack. And she became worried when she saw one of the papers. On it were all the desks for the student in her child's classroom. Each place, each desk was marked with a circle or an X. And quickly she asked her daughter what it all meant. And the child replied, those are the children in my class. Those who go to church I marked with a cross. You thought it was an X. And those that don't go to church I circled. Relieved but curious, the mother asked, well, why did she do that? And her daughter answered, so I can tell those who don't know about Jesus about him. And still curious, her mother asked how she knew that. And the daughter replied, well, I asked them. The straightforward attitude of children points out how, as we grow up, we may lose some of that straightforwardness of our faith in Christ. You see, you and I, sometimes we want to ignore the truth right in front of us, that there are some people who have not heard the good news, who don't know who Jesus is, who don't know the salvation that comes freely through his death on the cross and the glorious news of the resurrection of him for us, for our salvation. They don't know it. They don't know the blessings of God that are there for them. And so you and I, instead of focusing on who's greater, what status we might have in this world, maybe need to be a little bit more focused in, just like Jesus is focusing his disciples that day on his death and resurrection, that he gave up all things for us and that we are to do the same for one another, that we are to love God and love our neighbor all before ourselves. So you and I, it's not about who's greatest, but rather it's about God who is the greatest, about the God who served us without shame, who walked the roads, who carried our burdens, who died and shed his blood for us, that is the good news of our salvation. That is the greatness of God at work. So many times you and I, we get distracted just like the disciples did. We throw the spitballs, we throw the peas, we get involved in things that have nothing to do with the kingdom. But may you and I today not miss Jesus' words that what he came to do was to be a servant of all. And he invites us along with him to walk with him, to serve others, and to love one another as he loved us. So, who is the greatest? Jesus. Who is the least? You and I. May you and I treasure a God who thinks more of us and brings us with him into everlasting life. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all human understanding.
guide our hearts and minds through Christ our Lord.